Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and on this episode I was joined by the Daily Mirror's Simon Bird as we talk about all things Newcastle United. There was the takeover and why it might be best for Newcastle United fans to put it to the back of their mind with a new season just days away. We talk Muto, Kel Watts to Wigan and the imminent arrival of Joe Willock from Arsenal and what that might mean for the likes of Sean and Matty Longstaff in what is a very congested midfield. We also talk about Callum Wilson, Alan St. Maxman, Dwight Gale, the pre-season potential new rivals from the low market and just what Newcastle United might be able to achieve in the 2021-22 campaign. All that and more to come on Everything is Black and White Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on Chronicle and you'll see you on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube and later on our podcast channel. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast if you are listening on that platform. I'm Andrew Musgrove and as you can see I'm joined by Simon Bird of the Daily Mirror. Um, to those who follow Newcastle, Simon will be a familiar name, voice uh, and uh, yeah. How are you doing Simon? Not too bad thanks, all good. Looking forward to football starting again. Yes, um, we well, I suppose everyone is, and they've been boosted by the news of uh, Joe Willick's imminent arrival, and we will get to that in a moment. I did say when I signed off two weeks ago that I was hoping Newcastle would have signed somebody. Um, as of yet, they haven't, but like we say, Joe Willick is imminent, and it seems like everything is going to plan with that deal. But I want to start um, with your favourite subject, and that is um, the takeover, Simon. I know... Um, you've got your views on that, and I think the piece you wrote um, a few weeks back after the arbitration was delayed to early 2022, in my opinion, um, hit the, the nail right on the head. And since then, we've had the the competition, uh, the anti-competition case that's been delayed till September for a hearing to see if it goes ahead, and goodness knows what happens then. What's your view on it all? Is it time for Newcastle United fans, for Mike Ashley, to, to move on, do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably time for Newcastle fans to to put the issue in the back of their minds and try and enjoy the football that they're going to see this 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 season. There's no point in defining this season by anger about takeover um, delays on both sides. We're here, so it's you know there's there's, a, there's fault on both sides probably with the delays that are happening, and I, and I think it's taken so long now that you've got to doubt whether whether they'll ever manage to push it through, and it's certainly not going to go through. To impact this season, so fans may, may as well, if they've got the season tickets, turn up and enjoy the football. <clears throat> it's been a, an appalling drag. You know, it's really dragged on. It's been an awful sort of saga to cut to to cover. Obviously, fans are desperate for a takeover and for um, for change at the top to give the club a bit more ambition and, and direction. Um, but there are there, there's been fault on all all sides. For it not going through, you know, is information coming from Saudi Arabia that the, pre- the Premier League need quick enough? It, it, there was huge delays on that front uh, last summer, and it's been you know eighteen months of of, of stress and, and misery for Newcastle fans, the, the fans who wanted to come to go through, uh, and all the issues that we highlighted back 18, eighteen months ago about not being able to watch the Premier League legally in Saudi Arabia, um, about the ownership, who, who's who's the official, you know, can you have a state owning it? Is it a state? Owning this, owning the PIF, all those issues have just not moved on. There's been no clarity, no no real transparency from any side. You know, the Premier League have not told us officially their reasons. Um, the Saudis, Stavely, etc., have not really come out and and you know clearly explained what they've done to sort out all the massive issues around the takeover, including piracy, including the 
you know, the people in charge of the PIF and the checkered history of the Saudi regime. None of that's been sorted out. So I think it's time for, for, for us to move on. Let it bubble away in the background, if it is still bubbling away, and try and enjoy watching Callum Wilson score some goals. Massa Maxima, you know, changing the game. A squad who I think are kind of knitted together and kind of determined to prove things wrong this year. You get that kind of vibe off them. So I think it's time for 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 people to try and enjoy supporting Newcastle and with the ups and downs that will come, but try and enjoy it. Mm. And we've got, like we say, Joe Willick is expected to to arrive with his medical and personal terms are agreed. We have had some outgoings. I mean, Muto's, Muto's gone. We've seen Kel Watts go out on loan. Muto has been one of those players which I think people are still scratching their heads at. Do you think he got enough of a chance to prove himself, or do you think he was just a he was just a bad buy? It wasn't suited to the Premier League right from the off. Yeah, well, the price that we was quoted was nine nine million, wasn't it? That they bought him for it was I don't know, it was Rafa's first choice, but he he obviously was there and sanctioned it at the time. And from the off, he didn't really look. He didn't have the physicality of the Premier League. Didn't really have the pace. Didn't have the guile. So from the off, he didn't look. He didn't look great, and it probably goes down as a, a pretty bad deal. I mean, we've not we've not really discussed Muto very much because we've not no one's seen much of him. Um, but yeah, that, that's what goes down as a pretty bad signing of, of the last ten years, twenty years for for Newcastle. Mm, it's a lot of money to write off as well, especially when you you've got an owner who doesn't really like to splash the cash. We've got Kel Watts, who featured heavily in pre-season. He he's he impressed. We know he's held in high regard at Newcastle. I um, impressed last season out on loan. He's gone to to Wigan. Which I think has surprised some. They were some fans were hoping he'd be in and around the first team. But I guess if you're not, if you're not in that position, then to go to a, a team like Wigan, who will be looking for promotion, who will be wanting to achieve, you know, the best they can this season. If he's a first team starter there, which we would assume he probably will be, given you know he's probably had a lot of options to a lot of teams to join. It's a good move for him. Yeah, it is. It's another step up in his career, and I think he's doing the right thing in terms of building his career. You know, he had a good he had a good time at Plymouth, um, and I think the, the academy people really rate him at Newcastle and think he can make it. Um, but his problem is they've got Newcastle have got a load of experienced centre halves who are really solid, really experienced, and kind of do the job pretty well. So I think that's his problem, and he's done the right thing to go to Wigan and play first team football. Be in the thick of thick of the championship action and and really give it a go, you know, and, and you know step up and, and prove himself uh, week week on week. So it's a good it's a good move for him definitely. And but I, I don't like seeing lads like him being written off as you know you can definitely build a career still, you know, 23, 24, 25, You might really become a mature centre half. So you know, good luck to him and hopefully he can come back into the fold and, and do it at Newcastle at some point. There's a few players, isn't there, in the you know, 23s who. You know, fans are hoping they can break it in the first team squad. We've seen Joe White impress this summer as well. Elliot Anderson, although he is injured, he's he's got a few options if he does manage to get back to full fitness. So there is some hope there. Do you see anyone from that bracket breaking in, or do you think those players will need to go out on loan to you know continue that development and then come back maybe January, come back next summer with the hope of breaking into Newcastle's first team? Yeah, I, I don't think there's there's I mean there's people there at the minute who are going to immediately leap in. To that first, I mean, Newcastle have got a packed midfield. They've got a load of central midfielders. They seem to have cover either side at wing back. They've got a load of centre halves, as we just just discussed. And up front, you've got you know Newcastle's best players, Sam Maxima, Almiron, and Callum Wilson. So you're not you're not going to break into that. You're not going to be knocking. You need a massive injury crisis for them to be dipping into the the under twenty three. So I think Harper and Sammy and and 
Shoulder Amiobi will want the club to be getting them experience elsewhere and playing proper man football, not the under-23 um, sort of cup stuff and moving them on like that. Um, so there's not really, I don't think there's really anyone there. And we've, we've had like clamour for under-23 guys to be pushed through in past years. Sorensen, who's, who's just left, um, he, um, you know, he, he couldn't get, he couldn't make it. So, you know, and fans want to see this happening, but they've got to be good enough. And if they're not good enough, you're not going to get a chance. If you've got any questions for Simon, do drop them in the comments and we'll get through the best of them. We've got one here from Tell Magpie Ross and he says he's happy with Willick, which I think most people are. But he mentions Sean and Matty. And Simon, you've just mentioned there the packed midfield. What do you see for Sean and Matty Longstaff? I mean, Sean looks to be kind of in that first team picture, but the big questions over, over Matty. Yeah, I mean, they, they stuck with the club and they had a very difficult year last year. Um it looks like Sean's around about the first team picture, but not probably not going to be in in that. He's probably going to be on the bench to start start on Sunday. Um, Matty, uh, not so much. Um, he's not really, he's not really, you know, kicked on from the from the impact he had a couple of seasons ago. So it's probably time for Matty to get a, you know, get a good loan move somewhere else and see if he can. He's a he's a good player. He buzzes around. He can score goals. He's he's energetic. He's he's pro, I mean, I've been at the academy when he was there, and he's an absolutely infectious guy to be around. He's full of talk and always chatting. So there's got to be a club out there who can give him a chance and help him help him step up and, and play games because he needs to play games now. So he's probably I would you know if I was a championship club I'd be looking to loan him. Sean probably. I mean, I, I don't know the problem. Sean is he's, he's he gets around. He's he's a good runner. He gets around the pitch very well, but you'd like to see him develop a little bit of a punchy, pacey run. Um, uh, and and those forward passes get more killer balls in there, um, like Shelby does. So he needs to develop all around. In, you know the passes he does, which are impactful in terms of creating chances, and also also his pace. Uh, his stamina is there, but he needs a bit of pace in there as well. So that's what he's probably going to work on this season. But he's there or thereabouts and will probably play games, I think. On Matty, do you think it's a case now that he has to knock on the door and say, look, if I'm not in this first team picture, then I want to go out on loan? Is that what you think he's got to do this summer? Yeah, if, if Willett comes in, there's no point in Matty hanging around being fifth fifth choice. There's literally no, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth choice. There's no point in being at Newcastle for that. You know, stick with the contract at Newcastle, get a loan elsewhere and and go and be a star. You know, and he, and he can be, you know, he can be great. So they've got to play games. You don't, you don't want to be a 20, 21, 22 year old lad at Newcastle sitting there watching Isaac Hayden, Shelby, Willock, your brother, all those guys ahead of you. It's just, there's no point in doing it. You should go out and try somewhere else. We're just sticking with the midfield because if everyone is fit, it's certainly going to be quite the dilemma for Steve, who's a welcome one in many ways because you do have quite a few talented players there. For me, I think Hayden has to start. I know that spits opinion somewhat. And then you do look around and you think, well, who who, who joins? I mean, for you, who is going to fill that midfield on Sunday? Well, Hayden seems to be the sort of powerhouse destroyer, gets around the pitch really well, um, a bit of a leader as well. So he, he seems to be like, you just, you'd probably pick him as your destroyer. Um, it all depends whether Bruce goes five at the back um, three three centre halves and then wing backs, which means you've only probably got two two central midfield destroyers in there, um, or whether you you go four at the back, pick three midfielders and then three attackers. One of those midfielders would be Willock, Hayden, probably Shelby. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's a, it is a, that is a real dilemma, and there's not much really between them. Um, you you know, I think the Bruce's concern with Shelby is to get his stats up and get him running around the pitch. Uh, but he is creative, and he does spray a ball around, and he does have that extra time that not a lot of players find on the ball. So he's he's in there. And then if you add Willock's legs into that, if they can get Willock by Sunday, um, who I mean. Watch him last year. If you just watch Willock and the, the ground he covers from box to box to box, he's everywhere. And, and he break. He can break the play. He can break the play up. He can find a pass. He can attack and get in the box. He's so crucial to what they need this year that they've got to get that deal done. Um, and I hope it can be. Um, so you'd probably go... You'd, you'd, you'd want him to try four at the back, which is Bruce's natural instinct. They didn't play that the other day, though. They played five against Norwich so you'd suspect that that's where the, the, where they, the way they're going so if they don't get Willock you probably have Shelby and Hayden in there um, if, if they can play four at the back you add Willock to that mix and then you have Almira on Sam Maxima and Wilson up front so which looks like a good front three with Willock adding in there so yeah there, there are there's like flexible there's quite there's, like, there's decent flexibility and there are decent players to fill those roles to be like a, mid, a solid mid-table table team this year. So I'm not like worried this season about them not having the resources in key positions. I think they've got the attacking three that they need. Um, add Willock in there and it'll be good. Cut out the two-month slump that they had last year, which, which wrecked the season. They didn't win for two months last year, I remember. They brought Graham Jones in and it all showed up. Um, so if they, can, if they can just have a steady season and cut out that terrible slump in the middle, then... I think I've heard from from the camp inside the camp that they they, they think they can push for tenth. I mean that's that when you look at who who finished ninth and tenth and eighth last year, that's that's an ambition. It's that'll be a very good finish. I think they think with a lucky season and everything going right and Wilson scoring and Sam Maxon's fit and may play more more ninety minutes than he does. I think they think they can do that, which is a good ambition to have. Um, and we'll see how it plays out. You know, no, we just want a season without any crises this year. I think. Yeah, it will be good. On Joe Willick, so the fee's been agreed. It's about personal terms and medical now. And you've mentioned there just how crucial he was last season. He was probably the key element to surviving the drop. And they've waited. They've gambled. Mark Douglas wrote yesterday. They've played a bit of transfer poker, and it seemingly looks like that they've won that gamble. I mean, yeah, without him coming in. The, the lack of goals for a start, the lack of energy would have just been, it would have been terrible for Newcastle not to have a, him in and not have a player of his ability in if he, if he didn't arrive. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the, the biggest impact it has initially is for players like Wilson, who is very serious about his career, and Alisson Maxima, who could probably, you know, spoil for a move elsewhere if he didn't think the club was trying, trying its hardest. The biggest thing it does is say to those players who are guaranteed starters for Steve Bruce, all right, we've got another guy in here and he's good, and he's delivered last year, um, and it boosts them, and it, it sharpens the squad up internally, which is massively important. You can't have the same guys hanging around the dressing room for three years without it being freshened up, and someone new coming in, and them all going, oh, what's he about? He's threatening my position. He could take a change formation, and he might be knocking me out of the team. You need that competition every year, and Newcastle are the only Premier League club at the minute not to have signed anyone. Uh, and they need someone in there. So that that's that's a you know internally that's what it does, but it also boosts the fans and, and says, well, look, we haven't got much. Newcastle haven't got much uh, many transfer funds this year. Um, Covid's hit everyone, but if they can spend twenty five million and get a twenty one year old guy in from Arsenal, you know, 
Arsenal are a very good team. If they can develop him, if he can become a superstar like he, th- he suggested he might be last five, six games last year, they develop him. They've got a £60 million player and that's like music to Mike Ashley's ears. So Mike Ashley should get the deal done as quick as possible. Um, but don't expect miracles from Willock when he comes in, if, if when he comes in. Um, you remember he scored seven in seven, seven goals in seven, youngest player ever to do that in the Premier League. Remarkable run. But there was that time when he, he dipped out the team, they took him out and Bruce was promising him to put him in the next game and he came on and scored scored goals as a sub initially. So he wasn't there or, or thereabouts running the team, you know, from the off at Newcastle. You've got to kind of remember that he, he came in, did well, had a bit of a dip and then Bruce put him back in. So it'll be he's 21, so you're going to get that. And it'll be one of those seasons where don't expect him to come and score six goals at the start of the season. Just, just let him play his game, let him cover the ground, let him add legs. And if the goals come, they come as well. Um, but yeah, we want that done really in the next couple of days just to settle everyone down. We, you, you don't want that deal being hijacked by Leicester or anyone like that. I mean, I, I hate these things, but you know, you're waiting for it to be done and you need confirmation because there are always sharks out there trying to nick the best players who are available. You mentioned there the potential that he could develop, he could become the £60 million player. Um, are you surprised that Mike Ashley's put his hand in his pocket or do you think what happened with the, the takeover legal battles that's forced his hand somewhat and now he's looking at it and he's thinking, well, I've got to protect my investments to make sure that, you know, if this deal comes to fruition in January, we're in a position to actually sell? I'm not surprised he's, he's spending. He, I think he's protected his investment in the last few years. He, I think if you look 10 years ago, Newcastle were way down in the average spend and it was really impacting on the club. If you look at the last five years, I mean, I think they're probably kind of mid-table, um, but they have spent money. They have invested. They have brought people in. They have refreshed it. And I think with the scale of rival spending now and the, the price inflation um, at the top, with the top six, seven, Newcastle are never going to go go to those price, go to those places with. You're not going to sign anyone for fifty million. So they've got to do it cleverly, like Leicester did with you know signing twenty, thirty million pound players and and making them better. Uh, so that's that's what they're trying to do. And I'm not surprised he spent. I think there's always there's always a transfer fund with Newcastle. There's always been that leeway in the accounts whereby Newcastle had 160, 70 million income turnover, uh, and the, the wage bill was about 100, 110. So there was always that gap, which they they, they were actually financially a well-run club, apart uh, or, or cautiously run club. I think we should say not well-run club. So they've always had that leeway to spend a bit more without actually actually putting any money in. So it's actually club money that's being spent here. It's not Mike Ashley funding it. It's club money generated by fans, commercial, TV. So you know it's not Mike Ashley's generosity. Generosity. It's but he is sanctioning these spend this spending because obviously we've seen the accounts in the last week and Mike Ashley's loan to the club has actually been reduced. So he's not he's not putting more in for this. So we should be clear that it's actually club generated money that's being spent and they can afford it. On Willick, do you have you seen more than you saw maybe in Kennedy to suggest that you know because when Kennedy first came on alone that summer everybody wanted him resigned. Newcastle kind of went oh we're not too sure so they brought him back on loan didn't they and then it didn't go quite to plan and now he's over in Liga somewhere. Um, have you seen more in Joe Willick to suggest that actually this permanent deal will work out and it is worth the money and it you know he won't go down that route of you know yeah. a, a half a season wonder. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, we didn't. We saw him score those goals, and I think Kennedy was, you know, he's a winger. It was more inconsistent. Um, he did really well, and he did a solid job, sort of shoring up that, that side. But with Willock, I think 
I think he probably needs to develop on the ball a bit more and and uh, is used to the ball. But he, these days, you're signing athletes and he, he looks like he's a supreme athlete. And Newcastle will be missing that. I think Sunderland will be missing that massively. And that's well, that's part of their demise in the recent years. But clubs need to sign athletes. They need to sign 400 metre runners. Who, who, you know, like Jamal Lewis, the stats about his junior athletics career, 154 for the 800. That's what Newcastle need in their team, as well as skillful players, as well as goal scorers, um, just to keep up with the pace and energy of the Premier League. So I think that's what adds, that's what makes the Willock deal a bit more solid and a bit more kind of um, justifiable than the Kennedy deal because I mean Kennedy was I think he was a bit unsettled off the pitch as well and there's a few problems there so you've got like you've got like Willock um, has more attributes there which are which are more consistent to use than Kennedy did so it looks a safe bet but like as I said before don't don't put pressure on and expect miracles from him he's got to be bedded in and allowed to allowed to have the ups and downs Hmm. Are you surprised Arsenal are letting him go? Um, well, he, yeah. I mean, he's, if, if, especially after what he did last year, I thought he might he might have got more of a chance early in the season um, with Arteta. But if Arteta doesn't fancy him, then he doesn't he doesn't fancy him. And you know, if they, if they raise him at twenty five million, you know, Arsenal should really be in the bracket for fifty million, sixty million signings to kick their team, to kick their club on. And there are Arsenal fans who are upset that they're only selling him for. 25 million and they can't quite understand what why you know in, in this market so uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm surprised i let them go um but there are always but where arsenal want to be i.e the top four perhaps joe willick is not the player who's going to take them there um and he's going to be a squad player and joe willick doesn't want to be a squad player he wants to play loads of games make a name for himself and get in the england squad eventually Thank you for tuning in to the Everything is Black and White podcast. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. We just urge you guys to please subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you use. Totally free to do. Just means every time we upload a new episode to our channel, you'll get a notification saying we've done just that and you can listen to it straight away. And if you get the chance to leave us a review as well, that would be much appreciated. That really does help us out. You can also follow Chronicle Live's new Cash United channels over on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can email us here at the show with your feedback, your comments, your questions, whatever. Just drop us a line at the EIBW podcast at reachplc.com. And you can also stay up to date with everything to do with the club by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletter. That's also free. And you'll get a morning news roundup, an evening news roundup, and a breaking news alert as well. And that'll get emailed directly to your inbox. The link for that is in the show notes. Hit that, scroll down to sport-newcastle-united, tick the box, and you'll all be signed up. Once again, thank you for listening, and we'll now get back to the show. We've got a few questions then from those people watching. We've got one from Jack Bolum, who asks, do you think we should give Gale a shout this season? Obviously, Gale scored a couple against Norwich, and he's been kind of on the outskirts, uh, partly due with injury, partly due with Callum Wilson's crack and form. Um but see, Bruce is a massive fan. I, you know, you can count quite a few times where Bruce has told the story about trying to buy him at, at Villa and what have you. Um, do you think Gale has a chance um, to be in the first team picture this season? Well, he's a great finisher, and he's—I mean—the the finishes he did on um, on Saturday against Norwich were, were really good. Poachers finishes, one with the outside of his right boot, which was great. Tim Krul maybe should have stopped it, uh, but he—but he's not—he's not, he's not going to be ahead of Callum Wilson, um, and he's. 
you know, unless Sam Maximum's injured or they change the formation, Almiron, they're, they're both going to be in there. So you want, at the, at the, at the start of the season, you want Dwight Gale to be fit, moving well, because he's had injuries. He's always he's always had those problems with his hamstrings or whatever. Um, and he's not looked comfortable just in himself moving around the pitch. But he did on, he did the other day. He looked like he was more mobile and he got a bit of sharpness back. So you want him to know at the start of the season, I'm going to push Callum Wilson and I'm going to be an impact sub. And when I come on for the last half hour, if some Maximans faded or whatever, you want him to come on firing. And he could be a proper asset. You know, they're giving him a, we hear they've given him, I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, <laughs> over the summer, a new contract. Um, there'll be a lot, if he, if he doesn't get his chance at Newcastle, there will be championship clubs, you think, who, who would want him to get them promoted. Because that's the kind of, the guy that Callum Wilson, um, that Dwight Gale is. I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised Middlesbrough didn't, didn't say, we need a goal scorer, get, get him from up the road. So probably the money was the, the problem. Um, so yeah, Dwight Gale can be an impact sub at the minute. And if Wilson gets injured, he can come in and, and definitely do a job. And it's a big season because he's had stop-start seasons for a long time now. And he really, you know, he, he probably wants to repay Newcastle fans by banging in 10 goals this year. We've got a question from Jezeb Salim who um, asks, which players are we realistically targeting for loan slots? Because we assume that's when Newcastle will go next after they do hopefully sign Joe Willey. Yeah, I don't. There's a lot more money in the in the kitty from from there. Um, I mean, they, they've lost out up to Aston Villa to, for the Man U centre half to Anzebe. Um so that was a bit of a blow. He, he was definitely a target. Um, they must have a list. I, I think that that kind of thing kind of generally pans out in the last week of the transfer market. So they'll sign Willock, things will settle down, and then you know you you you, you see what what's surplus the requirements at the top four, top five, six. Sadly. And you, you pinch a few of their youngsters, and that's the frustration that Newcastle fans have: is that at that point you're becoming a development team, developing players for the for the elite. Um, if they come in and do a good job for Newcastle, that's fine, um, everyone's happy. But you you really don't want to be just developing players for Man U. But it probably is their next port of call. You know, it's, it's experienced, you know, experience kids looking to kick on their careers who can't quite get into the top four. I'm, I'm on mute there. So we have a question here from Jordi Sancaster. He asks, can you see us getting another midfield player with good energy who can actually go box to box? We know today that uh, over in France, Lequip have uh, linked Newcastle to the Marseille midfielder who's totally, I've totally forgotten his name, but he's been linked with a £12 million move and reportedly been rejected. So, I mean, mm. after Willick arrives touch wood do you, do you see Newcastle going in for another midfielder of that type well you it's def, probably the right country isn't it because the French market will have bargains in this year because the French clubs are in dire financial straits the TV deals had, had a problem with their TV deal and Covid crowds etc um, uh, revenue falls so the French market they, they must be desperate some clubs desperate to sell and if Newcastle could push it, push it to another 10-15 million pound player from from France, um, then that that that'll be that'll be good news. Uh, whether they'll do it, I think if they do that, they'll they'll probably have to sell. I mean, you, you bring in another central midfielder, you've got a very packed area there. Um, so you probably would look to cash in on somebody. And I mean, Isaac Hayden's quite frequently, you know, linked with a move away. I don't think they'll sell Sean Longstaff with being a Geordie lad. I don't think they'll do a sale deal for him. So there are players who. 
who might be vulnerable to being sold if if they want to shake the squad up that far. I, I don't think they will, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, the name was Kamara um, from Marseille. Yeah, that's been around a while. Yeah. Um, question here from Jack Bolham again, and he's talked. We talked about the academy earlier in the show, and he says, uh, "Simon, do you not think success comes through the academy?" He says he's a big believer. And that's where the future lies. And I guess with Steve Harper being kind of appointed there as well, you know, when you speak to Steve, he's very infectious. He, you know, he loves the club and he really wants to see them do well. There's a reason he was on the, the Northern Ireland staff as well, because, you know, he, he does work well with the players. Um, what First of all, Jack's question, and what do you think kind of impact can Steve Harper have as the head of the, you know, the, the, the academy manager? I think you need like good human beings in charge of these departments because it's really hard to deal with the ambitions of young players who are impatient, they want to kick on, um, and then they've got their parents and their agents. And I think Harper, you know, he's he's not a pushover, but he can he can deal with people. He's a great people skills. So I think he's a good person to put in charge of that. Um, and it'll, it must be a nightmare dealing with you know parents and, and ambitious young players who who are desperate and. and to, to make it and it's a big dream of, of their whole life so it's a really hard job though because you know yeah the academy is the lifeblood of the club hopefully and Newcastle have produced the odd one um in the past years I mean Andy Carroll Steve uh, Stephen Taylor even way back um the, the long staffs more recently so you, you do want players to come through and if anyone gets to the first team and it's back to economics and Mike Ashley's obsessive about economics and making money. If you can get a player you brought in from, from schoolboy terms uh, and you've paid them money and you, you haven't paid actually a transfer for them, for them and they're actually playing in the Premier League, suddenly you've got a massive asset. So the pressure to bring people through from an academy and save a club money and give it so it can spend its resources elsewhere is huge. But it's a huge, it's a really difficult job. And I think Harper said in one of his first interviews that he wanted to bring in athletes because that's the way the game's going. You can be skillful, little player as you like, but it's really hard to, to break through into the Premier League if you can't sprint and you can't run all day. So that's what you're looking at. And they're the, they're the players who will stand out at the academy. Train them on the ball, yes, and positionally, etc. But the, the bottom line is to be able to run. And I think that's what you'd be looking to inject when he... When he when he looks at all the teams that he's in charge of. Yeah, I thought Harper's interview on the club website was absolutely superb that first when he really I kind of got swept along with what he was saying because it was it was refreshing, you know, he, he was very passionate, but he was also you can imagine him, he's got a firm hand as well. So he's not gonna he's not gonna kind of uh, soften any of the blows, so to speak. Um we've talked about the congested midfield. The other interesting dilemma is the goalkeeping situation. Now it has been affected a little bit by obviously Dubravka's injury, Carl Darlow being hit by COVID, but you know those two players are going to come back at some point this season. Are going to be fully fit and battling for places. And then you've got Freddie Woodman, who was on his way to Bournemouth before news broke of uh, Dubravka's injury and, and called all going down with COVID. What does the future hold for Woodman? Because he's likely to start, we would think, on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but he knows in his head that um, Dubravka is likely to come straight back into the side once he's fully fit. Yeah, I mean, Dubravka justified his number one status last season. He saved Newcastle points repeatedly, and he was really good. And you did see, it's you know, when there's a cross coming in and he comes out and dominates the area and punches it away, you can see his defence really appreciates the leadership and positivity and aggression that he demonstrates when he's defending his box. 
However, you know, Freddie Woodman is a, is a great young keeper and you see what happens when Aaron Ramsdale gets the chance, a young English keeper, bounces around clubs, 38 million deal in the offer. You know, it, Freddie Woodman is a massive asset to Newcastle and it's a... Dubravka's injured, so he gets the chance because Carl Darlow, also a very good keeper who proved himself in, in promotion seasons and all that, all that kind of thing, is extremely capable. Uh, he could do a job in the Premier League. So they've, got, they've effectively got three... Decent Premier League keepers there, and probably one of them, probably one of them is going to have to be sold. Um, it look, you would think that would probably be Woodman if they can get the right money for him. But they bought Dubravka for four or five million. Is it time to make a profit on him? I don't think you want to go, and I, I don't think that will probably happen. So it looks like Woodman will be will start the season and hopefully have a great start. He, he looks so, his initial performances for Newcastle in the cup. He looks. He didn't look commanding enough. He looked. He was beaten a couple of times in the in the league in the league cup. I think I seem to remember. Didn't massively impress. But he's gone to Swansea on, on loan elsewhere and done brilliantly. And um, so you'd expect Newcastle to probably sell sell Wooden and get good money for him. You know, 20, 20 million, twenty five million. Maybe that could be reinvested in a different position um, or another midfielder, whatever. It's unlucky because you'd like to see someone who they've developed and made promises to, like they did with Tim Krull all those years back, to come through and you know get into the first team. But it's difficult for keepers. I think keepers is like kind of a, st- a more stagnant, static position, and there's not a lot of transfers involving keepers, and there's not a lot of movement unless someone makes a massive cock up or gets injured. So difficult, difficult times, difficult decisions for Steve Bruce on that one. It's a, it's actually a, a big strength for the club, I think. Most certainly. Before I just finish off on the pre-season and how you've rated it, quick question on Ryan Fraser. Some really interesting quotes yesterday that went up on the club website about how he's he's kind of reached out for help to learn how to adapt so that he can actually fit into the system Steve Bruce is likely to use. So that's him playing as a more central player rather than his natural position as a winger. It, it created a bit of debate on social mm-hmm. media. Uh, people saying, well, Steve Bruce just play the, the formation that suits players. But on the other hand, I think it showed a great attitude from Ryan Fraser to say, look, yeah, look, I'm not best in that position, so help me adapt to it. We saw Jacob Murphy adapt to it um, last season. and he's, he's won himself a new contract. He's now up there with one of the fans' favourites. So I'm just wondering what you think this season holds for Ryan Fraser. Well, once again, he's another guy who's like, like Dwight Gale, who's he's got to be fit and he's got to not break down. His body's not got to let him down this year. And then if that happens... He'll start getting more minutes, and then he'll start looking stronger, and he'll start picking the pace of games more. And he and he and we've seen transfers all through the, in the past where you know players are trying hard, they get injured, and it's a nightmare for a year or so. And then finally, you know, you see the you see their worth. Now, hopefully, we're going to see Ryan Fraser's worth this year. Yeah, I think he's more of a, he's he's, a, he's kind of a winger, but I mean, he could play in the middle as a number ten, surely, or. You know, it's a good passing, darting, break, breaker through the lines. You know, there are different positions he can play. And I think what he did in that interview is quite interesting. I think he was, he was making himself available to play in any position, not pigeonholing himself as a winger. He's a very creative, skillful player. And he was saying to the coaches of Newcastle, come and get the best out of me and tell me where you want to play and tell me how to play and tell me what you want me to do. I, maybe that's because he doesn't think he's had that guidance in the past. You could coaches might say, well, he's not been fit enough for long enough. But it was interesting that he came out and said it and put a bit of pressure on the coaching staff to get the best out of him. And I think it's really good for Newcastle that that's happened because um, it creates a bit of, you know, 
create a friction between everyone and they know he's serious and he wants to get better. Um, he's told them he wants to get serious, so when he gets a chance, he can't he can't let them down. Uh, and and it just makes it just gets everyone on the toes to and, and puts him on the map again after a, after a fairly quiet opening season. And I, I like that. I think it's good, and I think, he's, I think he can make an impact this year. Probably not initially, but if Sam Maximum gets injured, which is likely, or Almiron, then he'd be first in there in that creative sort of wide-ish role, and and he can do well. I recommend heading over to the club website to catch it. And if he was by Tommy's to be one of the, the club writers there and uh, really good. I enjoyed how Fraser revealed he's quite good. Um, he's, he's currently rewiring his house and he's there. Uh, so there's maybe a future career after he retires there, um, you know, doing joinery and electrician. Quite, <laughs> quite a reveal there. Dwight well, um, Gale was a joiner, wasn't he? He, did, he yeah. worked with his dad um, all those years ago before, when he was a non-league player just making his way. So these lads have all got hidden skills, I think, which uh, we don't appreciate. Actually, we'd like to hear more about the hidden skills of, of yeah. Newcastle footballers and make them more human in, in, in interviews. That'd be quite good. Definitely. And um, the final question then from the guys in the comments. Lee says, one injury away in the four position to be in big trouble. And we've had a few people in the comments going along that sort of line. I guess we saw last season when Wilson went down with injury, Newcastle really did struggle without him. Um, do you see them bringing in another striker? I mean, they've got Gale on the bench, but they're different kind of players. What do you make there of Lee's, Lee's comments, Lee's fears, I guess? Yeah, I think they could bring in a different kind of striker. I mean, they've lost Andy Carroll, well, they've left Andy Carroll go. And he, he, well, he wasn't on big wages, but his wages are there to be to be taken, I would have thought. So I think it's probably right. You know, the def- I think the defence is fairly settled with cover. I think midfield's, middle of midfield's packed. I think to cover Wilson injuries, Sam Maxima injuries, Almiro injuries, that's probably the next position, the next priority position that Steve Bruce would be looking at is to, is to sign a striker. Um, maybe in a different style to... Um, to Wilson and, and Gale, who are quite small, quite you know, rely on good, well-timed runs and pace. Maybe they need a bit more physicality up there, so they could change it up with a different style. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they've got the scouting reports on that kind of player. And obviously, strikers cost a fortune, so that'll be the problem. So yeah, you yeah, that that'll be the next priority, I think, definitely. In the comment, the commenters are right there. Um, pre-season then, good to sign off with a win ahead of the game against West Ham on, on Sunday. How did you how would you sum up what, what the pre-season's been like? Well, it's, I, I tend not to... I think it's about getting minutes on the pitch and running around and getting some kind of semblance of a formation. I think sometimes it's a bit overblown, the, result, the results of things when you're playing lower league clubs and you lose. And I don't think... Like, they, don't want to, they don't want to lose, but I don't think they're that bothered when they're... When they're all, you know, chuffing around the pitch, a bit tired after because they haven't they had a summer off. I'm not. I never bother too much about preseason. You'd rather lose your preseason matches and then beat West Ham on Sunday. Uh, I think the performance in the second half against Norwich, although Norwich were ravaged by COVID and only had four on the bench, though it was pretty bright. It was good. The crowd were dead positive. A lot of people going to Newcastle with their kids for the first time in St James's Park, and there was a nice atmosphere. I think the players fed off that. Uh, there's no chance against Steve Bruce. So I think there's a hint there for the the, the stalwarts who are going back with their season tickets and maybe a bit weary and will-weary of, of not seeing much progress this year. I think if they can try and create a positive atmosphere, if you have doubts about Bruce, that that's fine. You know, maybe don't ram it down his throat with, with chanting in the in the first few games. See how it goes. Um, I do think we've got a squad there who are 
are serious about what they're doing. I don't think there's shirkers. I don't think there's there's bad, there's, you know, bad lads in there. I, I think they want to do well, uh, which is the first thing you need off a, off a group of players. And it's great they've got Graham Jones for the full season. You'll give a new tactical angle uh, with Steve Bruce and his other, other staff and what they do. So, you know, they finished 12th last year, 45 points. You know, there, there was a big gap up to 11th, 10th. You know, there, was, there was another 10 points you needed to progress from there. So 12th was like first first place in the second league of the Premier League. Uh, it's going to take a big effort to get any higher than that. But just cut out the appalling January and December, January, February they had and re- repeat the season and you, they can do okay. And I think we've got to accept now that Newcastle aren't a top, sadly, Newcastle aren't a top six club. They've run away, top seven even, they've run away with it in terms of income and spending power. And until there's a takeover, until someone takes a massive gamble and actually finally lands the club and, and does something with it, and even that's not a guarantee. You've seen Everton spending 300, 300 million and getting nowhere. Uh, until that happens, I think Newcastle have got to accept that they're pushing for top 10, get a good cup run in both cups, try and enjoy the wins. Uh, let's no, not get too fed up with uh, the defeats. Just It's going to happen. They're going to lose 10 games. They're going to lose 12 games this year. It doesn't have to be a crisis every time Newcastle lose. And I think that could... And some kind of positivity and loving the players that are there and just giving Steve Bruce a chance can kind of feed back into helping the squad and helping the club kind of find its feet a bit more and be more successful. And I think that's that's what I would... That would be my urge for... It's easy sitting in the press box and, you know, and saying that because, you know, we're, we're writing about it and we're reporting on all, angle, all angles. And it, you can't, it can be frustrating as a fan. But I think a little bit of leeway and positivity to start things off might might be good. Well, that was where I was going to go next. We haven't really spoken about Steve Bruce. How important is it that he gets a good start? Because we know that for some, he's not he's not the first man that they would like in the dugout. He's not a fan favourite. I mean, he says he's not everyone's cup of tea. Do you fear that if they get off to a bad start in front of fans for the first time and since, what, February 2020, it's, it's, it's going to kind of all come crashing down on top of them? It could. It's, it's fragile and it could come crashing down. And we saw last game of the season with 10,000 in, there was a chance for Rafa Benitez and against Steve Bruce. That was born of... 18 months of frustration, not seeing a football game and, and not seeing and, and losing streaks, etc. But I will say that fans have got to realise that when it has happened, this happened with Pardew as well, when you're manager of Newcastle, you're the only spokesman for the club. So everything that's going on with Newcastle United and everything that's going wrong and all the discontent comes down on Steve Bruce's head. And I wrote the other day, he's like a human punch bag. So he's the only one who speaks. He's the only one who's got an opinion. No one's helping him out from above. No, 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 no chief exec. No directors, no Mike Ashley, nobody is helping Steve Bruce out to explain why they haven't signed anyone, what they might want to do, what the ambition for the club is, what the plan is, right? Steve Bruce is the man, he's the front man, and he just gets it all the time. Every problem is Steve Bruce's fault. Every problem is not Steve Bruce's fault, you know? And I think he, he's the man who, he's, he's it, you need his experience in the game and his kind of world weariness or seen it all um, 40 years in the game to absorb that kind of pressure. I think it would do for a younger man. I think it would do for a 40-year-old coach who wanted to be going places quickly. And I think he just absorbs the whole thing. He doesn't get flustered. He, he can hear the chance against him, just prowls the touchline, 
taking it on the chin. And I, I kind of admire that from him. Whether we, I think we know now that Steve, we know really from his career that he's not like a 100% detail, innovative, you know, coach. He's got people around him who will do coaching. He's a man manager and he's a good, I think he's a good man manager. I think he's a very personal guy who, who can get into players' heads and look after them. And that can be a good, when, when it's going well, that can be good. When it's going bad, he's going to copy it off the players as well. So Steve Bruce has got a really difficult job, like any Newcastle manager. Uh, so I, I give him, I try to give him a bit of leeway in terms of knowing that he's the only spokesman and he is the human punch bag for, for every gripe that every Newcastle fan has. And that's not his fault. Uh, could Newcastle get a better manager? Probably they could. You know, but he's but at the end of the day, he's agreed and he's been magnanimous enough or clever enough, whoever made that appointment, to choose Graham Jones from several candidates. And he's made the appointment, he's chosen him and said, Okay, I need this guy in, he's good, I know lots about him, and he's gonna come and I'm gonna take new ideas from an outside and a lot a lot of experienced old managers would never countenance that. They would never go, I'm oh, I'm not bringing a new man into my my team. I've got my set team, Agnew, Clemens, whatever. They wouldn't be open-minded enough to that. Give him credit to have been open-minded enough to say, look, need a bit of help, need a little, another fresh eyes on this thing, need another voice. And he did that last year and that and it really works and hopefully it can continue working this year. So a bit of credit for that as well. So, yeah, he's got a massively difficult job. It's very fragile. Fans could turn on him, but hopefully they'll win a few matches, steady the ship and, and things, will, things will go on from there. Nice comment there from Chris Marsh, who says it's one of the most honest and sensible discussions that he's heard about Newcastle in a long time. So, plaudits to you there, Simon. We'll um, we'll finish on a positive then. Give me the one thing you're most looking forward to about Sunday, St. James's Park, hopefully a full house. You know, what are you most looking forward to? Um, Oh, God. (laughs) When the teams run out and you you, you hear the crowd i mean it, is, it was good enough for 10,000 in last year it was it was an amazing refreshing life affirming lift to in may for that final game of the season to hear hear the crowds again and i, I just can't imagine what it's going to feel like on on sunday It'd be brilliant I, we're going to be really lucky to be there and i think the season ticket holders will be lucky to be there i think of 18 months of frustration coming out of the te- everywhere every premier league ground imagine the atmosphere it's, Oh, it's it's going to be wonderful just to have, be sitting next to everyone in a packed ground with human contact. Oh, it's, it's going to be great. The drums of local hero, I think, is definitely up there, isn't it? When exactly just going to be cheering when that goes. Like, yeah, it's going to be something special. Um, well, that's the end of this conversation, as Chris said there. An honest and sensible discussion. So, thank you very much, uh, Simon. Thank you for joining us on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. And um, to you guys watching and listening, please remember to like and subscribe through whichever platform you are joining us on and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep the date with all the latest Newcastle United news.